Um, <laughs> I have, uh, for years now, I have wrestled with the idea of doing something gaming related. Um, maybe like a blog for reviews or a YouTube channel or even a podcast. And I just, I never went through with it because this generation has been largely disappointing. I've been disappointed by a lot of games, a lot of games that I had been greatly anticipating and it just, I was very much disappointed by them. Um, Like Metal Gear Solid 5, for instance, Kingdom Hearts 3, and it's just, and the latest one, The Last of Us Part 2. And I said that, I don't know, maybe I'm just in this weird place where I just, I just don't enjoy games as much as I used to. And I didn't want to be someone who just had negative opinions on games because I just, you know, I didn't really have a chance to really sit and say, you know, maybe I'm just not in the games anymore. But after playing The Last of Us Part 2, I realized that it's not that I'm not into games anymore. Is that games have been, like, they've been half-assing it. Like, developers have been half-assing it this generation, it feels like. Because <sighs> The Last of Us Part 2 is just probably the most heartbreaking I've ever felt. It's, uh, well, I'm, it, it, it's, it left me the most heartbroken, rather, I have ever felt. I don't think I've ever been and this, this disappointed by, by a game. And for that to happen, and even though I didn't have a lot of expectations for this game, it's just incredible to me. Because even back when the first game released, I said that The Last of Us does not need a sequel. Um, The gameplay was perfectly fine. That's the most you could say about his gameplay. Because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was kind of janky at times, but it wasn't terrible. Gameplay wasn't terrible, but it didn't do anything uh, revolutionary. It did what it did very well, but it wasn't this. Oh my God, this gameplay is the best thing ever. It just, it did what it did very well. But where the first one just knocked it out of the ballpark was storytelling and pacing. The storytelling and pacing in the first game were godlike. It just it's it's hard to find any other video games or any other it's or in, it's just any media in general. It's hard to find something that was better written and better paced than the last of us. And that ending was absolutely perfect. And I felt like. To anything after that will only be going downhill because it was already as as high up as it could be. So anything after that would just be going downhill. So here we are seven years later after some delays and, and everything. 
and some lies from Sony and Naughty Dog because their their promotion of the game was was riddled with false advertisement. But that's okay. Um, but this, what we got, is just it was even worse than I could have imagined. Like when the leaks came out, I didn't. I stayed away from Thailand. I didn't listen to anyone's take on the leaks or anything like that. I wanted to go into it completely, like, unaware of anything. Like, I didn't want to have any sort of knowledge about the game at all. And so, game finally comes out. I, you know, I get off work. I have to wait until Best Buy opens. I live, like, 50 minutes from the nearest Best Buy, um, which the living situation changed at the time. So, that's why I was farther away from it. Anyway... I hung out for a few hours until Best Buy opened so I could get my copy of the game. And when I got it, I rushed home and I was ready to play it. I got the special edition, by the way. I rushed home, popped the install disc from the PlayStation, and then went and got something to eat. So I knew that was going to take a while between the install and update. So I come back and it's ready to go. And I start to play it. And I'm just like, okay, it's not not bad. It's okay. Starting off how it's starting off. Um, and by the time I was 10 hours in, I was already like, can this be over with? Like, that's why I was 10 hours in. It got to a point where I was just, I went from, being stealthy to just running in loud, guns blazing, just to get the encounter over with so I can progress the story. Because I was bored with the gameplay. The story, I just wanted to... I wanted to get to a point where I did to Abby what Joel and his prime would have done to Abby. And so I'm still playing... And by the time I'm 17 hours in, I couldn't do it anymore. I wasn't going to do it anymore because at that point, I'd already played as Abby for a little bit. And I just was not going to let this game humanize this horrible ass person at the expense of... I won't really say at the expense of, but it's just like, you're not going to humanize this horrible ass person and make what she did okay. Because anybody who's played The Last of Us knows that Joel had a shady ass background. And they knew that Joel, and right now I'm kind of skipping over some bits because I didn't talk about the fact that Joel dies at the the beginning of The Last of Us Part 2. I didn't even make mention of that, but... Just, just speaking about Abby has just made me get to that point where I just gotta. Because, and just pause this, this, this point that I'm about to make is. After I gave up on this game, I went ahead and I looked at spoiler reviews and just discussion videos and, and stuff like this, and just hearing about, um, what about this game upset other people. And, you know, one of the things that people were upset about by the leaks was that, you know, uh, Ellie was gay, which, spoiler alert, Ellie was gay in the first game. Um, 
and that Abby is, is is whatever the fuck she is. Um, and you know, and this quote pushing an agenda. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not mad at that. You know, I feel like we should have better representation in video games and movies and and just in in the media that we consume because people people need to be able to see themselves in the content that they consume. Um, they exist. They're out there in the world, and it, it would be nice for them to have representation in, in media. I'm not mad at that. If you are mad at that, there is inclusion, then you're no better than people who are, quote, trying to push an agenda. Um, because, well, I will say that they didn't necessarily, since they didn't really slap you in the face, they kind of did, but they kind of didn't. Uh, like with Ellie and Dina. They didn't necessarily slap you in the face that they were gay. You know, uh, Ellie happens to be gay. Dina happens to be bisexual. Uh, they like each other. And that just played out how it played out. That's not natural. They're, they're, them hooking up wasn't necessarily shoving it in your face. It was just a natural progression of their relationship. I didn't have any issue with that. I, f- I felt more awkward about the whole weed thing than actually see them hooking up and, you know, sleeping together. Um, I felt more awkward about that because it just didn't feel natural. It just kind of felt weird. But then again, most people, who, well, I won't say most, a lot of people who smoke weed that I've come across makes talking about smoking weed weird because it's never just, you know, something that they do. It's just something that they have to announce constantly. Um, you know, well, I was smoking weed the other day doing, uh, okay, you, you know, and even, even when people, like, people who drink, they go, well, I was drunk as fuck the other day, and you know, it's just, they have to announce that part, and then it's just, and then you just kind of roll your eyes at the rest of the story, that's how that felt, with, with, the, with the weed, but them hooking up, that wasn't, I didn't have an issue with that, so, again, I, that part, I don't care about. But it also kind of transitions into, um, well, okay, let me pause because now I'm just kind of getting off topic of the point that I previously paused. Um, so at the beginning of the game, a couple hours, couple hours in, um, you know, you see Abby and Owen go up and they look over to, to the town, Jackson, Jackson, I think, yeah. And, you know, they kind of make it known that they're looking for someone. And right off the bat, you're already like they're looking for Joel, because you can't end The Last of Us how they ended it, and then have a sequel, and there not be consequences for that. So right off the bat, you know they're looking for Joel. And that's another issue with the writing of this game. It's so predictable that it takes away from anything that is trying to be said, because it's like it's as much violence as you're throwing at us and as many quote twists as you're trying to put out there it's so predictable that it just has no impact so anyway you know she's looking for Joel she can't be looking for anybody else I mean she could be but we know she's looking for Joel and so you know your plan is Abby she uh, runs across a bunch of infected she's running 
she gets grabbed by one and she's about to be killed and she's saved by Joel. Now, right off the bat, that's not Joel. If you play The Last of Us, if you play the first game, you know Joel's a very suspicious person. He's not going to risk his neck for a stranger. Now, you can make the argument that him uh, him and, and Ellie's relationship over the years have just kind of mellowed him out a bit. And he's, he's become more open-minded. You can definitely make that argument. So we'll, we'll excuse the fact that he saved Abby. So he saves Abby. Uh, Abby, Joel, and Tommy. They fight off infected as they, they escape. And they're looking for someone to hold up. And Abby was like, well, you know, me and my friends were held up uh, over in the, the where they were held up at. And so they all go there. And once they're there, Tommy, Tommy and Joe both were, you know, they had to do some shit that, some fucked up shit. You know, Ellie even speaks on some of the fucked up shit that she's heard about them doing uh, as you play The Last of Us Part 2. But even before that, even just with The Last of Us, like where Ellie and Joel are traveling and the guy comes out and he's, you know, saying that he's hurt. And, you know, Ellie's like, oh, he's hurt. And Joel's like, no, fuck that. And he drives through the guy and it's an ambush. And Ellie asks him, how did he know? Because that the guy that I was hurt. And he says, I've been on both sides of it. So we know that Joel has done some fucked up shit. We did some fucked up shit as Joel. And this is the thing. Like, nobody is saying that Joel was a saint. Joel wasn't a saint. Um. After his daughter dies in the first game, Joel just kind of becomes a hardened person. Um, and he's just, you know, he does what he does. And so nobody is excusing Joel's past. Players aren't excusing Joel's past. Um, and then Tommy was very much like Joel in the sense that he's done some fucked up stuff. He's not going to be a very trustworthy, trusting person. He is a trustworthy person, but he's not going to be a trusting person. And so they get back, and you know, Tommy says his name um, after he's invited these strangers back to Jackson, which is something that they would not do. Like, even if, like, nobody would do that. You see, we just met these people. If you're in this post-apocalyptic world where people are more fucked up than the infected, you're not going to just meet a group of people and say, come back to the town restock, be around my friends, my family, my loved ones. They're not going to do that. Especially not Tommy, especially not Joel. And then Joel introduces himself. Like, come on, man. Even if you, even if Joel got to a point where he was a, a, a softer, more accepting person, you still, there's just some things about you you just don't get rid of. You just don't get rid of instincts. And so you're in this environment full of people you don't know, and they're all circled around you. You gave, you sensed the room. Joel was very good about that. And so for him to just say his name, and we'll, and we'll even give him the benefit of the doubt and say he'll say, he'll introduce himself. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But the very second the mood changes in the room, old Joel would have been like, oh, no, fuck this shit. And he just would have went full berserk. He would have just went full, just crazy, and just cleared that motherfucker out. But this Joel... There's a stand there like, uh, you guys kind of look like you've heard of us. 
you, you think, Joe? You, you think? And so he says, you know, that, and that's what he says. It's like, you guys, seems like you've heard of. And then that's when he turns to Abby. She blows his fucking kneecap off with a shotgun. And that's one of the more shocking moments in the game because not shocking in the sense that it happened. It's shocking in the sense that Joel let it happen. Because Joel would not let that happen. But, of course, the game has to progress. The story has to be told. So this current Joel is, is a dumbass, essentially. And I hate to say that about Joel, but he's a dumbass. And so Abby blows his knee his kneecap out. And they knock out Tommy. And then, you know, Joel is just like, all right, let's just get this over with. And this is where the message that Neil Duckman is trying to tell gets lost. Um, well, that he's eventually trying to tell gets lost. Because instead of just killing Joel, Abby has to torture Joel. Because just killing him isn't enough. She has to torture him. And so you, your perspective changes to Ellie. And then Ellie, uh, uh, Jesse tells Ellie that Joel and Tommy never made it back. Or where they weren't at the, uh, they weren't where they were supposed to be. And so they split up to go find them. And then as Ellie, you find where they're hiding. And then as you go in, you're ambushed. And you see uh, Tommy's out and you see Joel uh, bloody. And Abby's standing over him with the golf club, and she begins to plead uh, for Joel's life. And I think the most impactful moment for me of the 17 hours that I played, at least, the most impactful moment was that when she looked at Joel and she's telling Joel to get up. Because she remembers Joel the way we remember him. This absolute badass that would have in the first game, would fucking wreck these little bitches, okay, like, he just, because this is a room full of fucking, oh my god, this is a room full of people that would have, <laughs> Joel would have sneezed and he would have fucked these people up in the first game, and so, that was the thing, like, her cry to Joel to get up was how we felt, because we, we've experienced badass Joel, we know Joel, um, old Joel would, well, old as in Last of Us, the first Joel, would have put some dirt in your eye, like, and so that was the most impactful moment, because Ellie was looking at him as that undefeatable father from the first game, and then that's when Abby proceeds to kill him, uh, the final blow with the golf club, and then, you know, bad decision rolling into further bad decisions. Instead of killing Tommy and Ellie, they let them live for some reason. Despite the fact that knowing that Joel killed her father, which the scientist who was going to create the cure was Abby's father. And, you know, that's what led her to want to seek revenge on Joel. It led to all of the people in that room wanting to seek revenge on Joel. Um, Despite knowing that her father was killed and it created such animosity that she would torture a man to death in front of someone who very clearly cares about him. You can tell by Ellie's reaction that she, the fact that she was begging for his life, that this was a very important person to her. And so instead of knowing that 
because of what she's seen had created this monster in her, instead of realizing that it would have done the same to Ellie, she just let him live. Her and Tommy, she just let them live. And that was another dumbass decision. And characters have to be really fucking stupid in this game in order for the story to progress. Because if these characters were smart, this game wouldn't it wouldn't even be a thing. And this is one of the biggest issues with this game is that everybody has to be stupid in order for this game to, to, to be a game. Now, you know, some time passes. Uh, Joel is buried. And so, of course, Ellie wants to go out and find these people. Tommy's wife is like, no, we can't do that. We can't spare the people. You know, Tommy leaves out on his own to go get revenge on these people. Tommy's wife tells Ellie, you got to go get them. So, uh, Ellie and Dina go to bring back Tommy and essentially get revenge for Joel's death. Um, eventually you get to a point where you find out that Dina's pregnant, and so she's kind of sidelined, and when you kind of get to a point where you think you're about to find Tommy, you find Jesse, because Jesse has come out to help. Then you play some more, you play some more, uh, and you find Tommy, and everybody's just like, well, we gotta get Dina, uh, back to Jackson. She needs treatment. And so... Um, and in between all of that, between that and them leaving and them getting to the point where they have to go back to Jackson, you know, you, you do some, do some killing, your typical goons, and that's fine. Nobody cares about the goons, right? Um, but then you kill some of the people who were there with Abby that night, and then it's this moral dilemma, like, oh, well, shouldn't be, just shouldn't be doing this, it's fucked up, and, and they were trying to, Dina and Jesse at points were trying to make Ellie feel bad for killing the people that weren't Abby and just trying to make it seem was it worth it. Yes, it's fucking worth it. You don't brutally murder someone's father, essentially. It, was her, it wasn't her dad, but it was her father, essentially. You don't brutally murder someone's father and then expect them to not want to fuck up the world. And so, you know, and as Ellie is killing these people, she's... She's breaking down mentally. It's taking a, a psychological toll on her. And you see this. And and so you eventually get to the point where uh, you kill Owen. Oh my god, I fucking hate Owen. <laughs> I'm just now realizing that I hate Owen about as much as I hate Abby. Even though he didn't do as much fucked up shit as Abby. It's just something about that dude's character. Oh my god, but anyway. You kill Owen and then you kill his uh, the mother of his child. She's, she's still pregnant. Uh, Abedin, um, I'm sorry, Ellie didn't know she was pregnant. She ends up stabbing her in the neck because this chick attacked Ellie. So in self-defense, Ellie kills her. Um, and she, and as, when she goes to talk to Owen, who she had accidentally shot because this fucker decided he wanted to charge after her. And so Ellie actually shot him. You know, he's trying to say, oh, and he didn't even explicitly say she's pregnant. He just kind of says, yeah, 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 she's and then somehow Ella just kind of pieced that together like, oh my god, and she goes and opens this chick's jacket and she's pregnant. Like, really? Well, again, that's more poor writing. And then you get to the point where they're about to leave to go to, go to Jackson because Dina needs the, the help, the, the she needs medical treatment and care. As you go out of the door, Jesse's shot in the face. And Jesse, who is one of the better characters, the better new characters, 
And since eh, he just shot in the face, like, uh, eh, you don't even have time to really take that in. And then Abby points a gun at you, and she's like, come out, come out. And you stand up, and you got to throw your gun, or she's going to, you know, shoot Tommy. And she's just like, you, I let you live, and this is what you do with it. Like, of fucking course that's what she did with it. And then at this point, this is where um, you transition and you play as <laughs> you play as Abby. And 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 one part before I get to that, one part before this, like when you come across Owen and the pregnant chick that you kill, uh, you're forced to kill a dog. This is an optional thing. You have to kill this dog. Now before. You know, there were dogs on patrols. You could work your way around them, but they were pains in the asses. Me, when it comes to video game dogs, I don't give a shit. I, if they're a pain in the ass, I'll just kill them because it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. They're not real live animals. Um, they're just pictures and shit. Um, especially, so if you're making these bashes especially heinous and difficult for me to get around, I'm sorry. I'm just going to shoot it in the face. But this one particular dog, you have to kill it. There's just no other option. You have to kill it. And so now you transition to playing as Abby. And one of the first things that you come across as Abby, you're, you're about to leave out on a mission. And keep in mind, uh, there are two people with you, one of which is the pregnant lady that you kill in self-defense. Um, and as you're about to leave on this mission, you come across the dog that you were forced to kill. And you play catch with the dog. And I'm just like, are you really trying to make me feel bad for something that I had no say-so in doing? Now, keep in mind, Spec Ops The Line did something similar to this, where you did some pretty fucked up shit. It wasn't really your choice to do this fucked up shit, but they at least tried to pace it in a sort of way where it's just like, they at least had it in, 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 this, in this way where it's like, they didn't beat you over the head. Like, they, they weren't that in your face with it. It was well hidden by the fact that, uh, I forget his name, I forget who he was playing as at the time, but the captain was, he was, he became so mentally fucked up at what he had done, that things just kind of spiraled out of control, and it, and it just, you felt the weight of your decisions, even though it was the game that made you do it, because there was no other way to get past that white phosphorus section in Spec Ops the line, but the effects of it, on Captain, uh, uh, I want to say Bryce, but it probably wasn't it. But anyway, the the way it was written, it, it just it didn't really sack you in the face that you that you made that choice because you didn't have a choice but to make that choice. It's, it's just from a narrative standpoint, it's, it's it's hard to explain. But just just believe me, if you play Spec Ops Online, you get it. If you haven't played it, you should play it. But anyway. So now they're trying to beat you across the head that you did this bad thing by killing this dog, but you didn't give me a fucking option. You didn't give me a choice. And so that takes away from, like, why am I going to feel bad for some shit you made me do, game? I'm, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm not. And, and then now you're trying to humanize this evil, fucking horrible-ass person. And it's not because she killed Joel that makes her an evil-ass, horrible-ass person. Because once, because I played up until the point where uh, they make it out of some building. And I just, I couldn't, 
Like, there was a shootout, and they ended up going to some building, and we make it out of the building. And I just couldn't anymore. That's why I gave up. So I was not going to, I was not going to let them make me feel bad for going after the people that murdered, that brutally murdered Joel. I wasn't going to feel for these people. Keep in mind, I can understand why they did it. But just because you can understand why someone did it doesn't mean that you can <laughs> sympathize with these people. Okay? Of course these people are human. Like, humanizing them isn't the problem. It's the fact that they're pieces of shit that's the problem. And so, anyway, I didn't finish the game after this point. I just went ahead and I looked at reviews and just listen to discussions and, and, and things like this and come and find out. Like, there's just repeated incidents of Abby being a fucking dick. Like, apparently she tries to kill Dina, tries to slit her fucking throat after the fact that Ellie tells her she's pregnant. She's like, good. And just, she's a horrible fucking person that does not deserve redemption. But the game is trying to make me feel like this person should have my sympathy. No, she's not going to get it. Um, and I'm not going to spend, apparently, 10 hours with this person. I'm not going to do it. Um, and apparently, just basically what it is after this fact is that, you know, you're back, you play this 10 hours of Abby to get to the point where you left off of her shooting Jesse in the face and telling Abby to come out. And when she, she does eventually go ahead and uh, um, shoots Tommy. After her uh, companion shoots him in the fucking leg um, with an arrow, apparently. Um, and so she, you play as Abby and basically beat uh, Ellie within an inch of her life. Like, break her arm, shit like this. You fall from the fucking floor. She almost tries to kill Dina, as I previously stated. And... Um, Abby's companion is just like, you know, talks her out of killing Nina. And at which point, Abby, uh, Road Rage Abby, uh, not Road Rage, uh, Steroid Rage Abby is just like, I've been in every senior thing. And then, <laughs> and then her and her companion leaves. And then, um, after this point, apparently, based on videos and what I've heard, that uh, Ellie and Dina are living peacefully on this farm. She's suffering a bit from PTSD. Uh, Dina's baby has been born. Um, and Tommy comes by and Tommy's like, well, we found her. Dina doesn't want Ellie to go after this person because she feels as though they've, you know, they're past that. Tommy takes her on the old guilt trip. And so Ellie does go after her. And then they have this epic final showdown where uh, Ellie and Abby fight. Uh, Abby bites off a couple of her uh, Ellie's fingers uh, right as she's about to kill Abby. She just decides to let her go because she just now suddenly has this realization that revenge is the answer. And Abby leaves. (laughs) She just leaves with no consequences to her fucking actions. I guess you could say her friends are dead. So the fuck what? Like, okay. Her friends are dead. So is, so is, so are Ellie's friends. So is Ellie's father figure, just like Abby's father. But, 
Abby gets to leave with her little companion and goes and just revels in the fact that she's just fucked up Ellie's whole world. Ellie goes back home. Dina is left. And because she's missing fingers, she can't play the guitar. So she has no family. She has she she lost the ability to play the guitar, which is something that Joel taught her. Like she loses everything. She's alone. And meanwhile, Abby gets her her and her companion get to go and and revel in their survival. And just be happy in their survival. And again, if the lesson is that revenge is never worth it, why didn't Abby learn that same thing? Because how she reveled in killing, and yes, she felt bad for her friends leaving, but I don't even think it was the fact that she felt bad. I think it just felt, I think for Abby, it was just more motivation just to fuck people up. Like, I don't, it just, it never felt like, it, like the, even though they tried to humanize Abby, it never seemed like she was human. Like, they, they completely failed at humanizing her because every chance she got, she was a fucking monster. And so this poorly written, poorly paced piece of shit game is out here in the world. And the writer, director, Neil Duckman was just like, oh, if you don't like my game, you're a homophobe and all this shit. No, I just don't like shit writing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't. And this game was just... <sighs> and again, I had no expectations for this game. And and, th- and just thinking about it, I forget the point that I had paused earlier, so I forgot. I'm sorry um, for anybody that's just, like, freaking out right now because I didn't really go back to the pause point, but I forgot what it was. But, again, I had no expectation for this game because it was something that I felt like the first game didn't need. It didn't need a sequel. And I am so disappointed in it that it kind of it, it motivated me to start a podcast. Something that I've been pitting off and thinking about doing forever. And it disappointed me so much that it made me create a podcast just to talk about it. I'm not a very photogenic person, so I couldn't go on YouTube. So I just started a podcast. So I can only imagine how upset people are who've actually waited seven years for this. I just, I don't... This is the most divisive, this is probably going to be the most divisive game ever. Because I went on Best Buy and I left a review for the game. One star, of course. And I saw so many five-star reviews. And I want to believe that they're all actual people. And that it's their actual feelings about the game. But that's the thing about user reviews. It's hard to tell because some people aren't the best. They'll just say something like graphics good, 5 out of 5. And so it's hard to tell if they're actually being serious or not. But I saw all those 5 star ratings and I'm just like if this, if so many people actually feel that this is a 5 star game that speaks even more to the quality of this generation. That this game could have so many people saying that it's perfect to them. We're, we've swung, we've, the fruit have been, the fruit has been hanging so low on the tree this generation that this game is divisive at all. 
Now, I'm not saying that just because I hate the game, everybody in the world should hate this game. But I find it hard to believe that the game so this poorly written and poorly paced could be this divisive. Like, I honestly feel as though it should, <laughs> there should be more of a consensus that this game is a piece of shit. But it doesn't feel that way. It really feels as though people who see the flaws in this game are, are kind of on the outskirts. And if that's the case, then the next generation, the PS5, the Xbox uh, series, the next whatever uh, Nintendo is going to do, I feel like I feel like next generation is gonna be even worse. Because we're just now getting to the point where some people are starting to tell these creators that they're not perfect, they're flawed. Neil Duckman is not this genius. And the fact that he's hiding behind the fact that anyone who just likes this game is a homophobe just kind of shows he's a little bit of a piece of shit. Uh, because people who make that argument tend to be. Um, it's just now that the fact that people are starting to say, you know, stuff like Hideo Kojima. Some of this stuff is a little wonky. He's not, he's not perfect. And, keep in mind, and, 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 and on the topic of Hideo Kojima, I didn't play very much of Death Stranding because it was depressing as fuck. Played it for a couple of hours, and I was just—I was not in the right mental space to play that game. Um, I was already kind of depressed at the time. Just playing a game where you're just by yourself, carrying your dead mother's body on your back—I was not in the mental space to play that game. But after playing this clusterfuck, it makes me want to go back and try to finish playing Death Stranding. Um, because anything has to be better than this. Anything has to be better than this. I would rather go back and play Amy on the 360 than to finish playing The Last of Us Part 2. Amy's one of the worst games ever. One of the worst horror games ever. And I just, I can't. This game is just, uh, it hurt me so. It really has hurt me so. But, yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to have put my opinion out there on The Last of Us Part 2. I'm just one person in a sea of, of millions and millions of gamers. Um, and I'm not saying that my point of view is right. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy The Last of Us Part 2. I'm just saying that if you do, at least be objective about it. At least see the flaws it has in it. Because you can point out the flaws of something and still enjoy it. Because we really need to start having these tough discussions. And we really need to start calling out these these creators. Because if we don't, we're just going to get progressively worse video games. Because this game is too big of high... This is too high of a profile game to be this divisive. And this is, and, and this is why indie games have started to kind of rise up. Do you hear a lot of people say they're tired of this indie bullshit, they didn't pay X and X amount to play indie games. The reason why indie games are rising up is because they're telling good and interesting stories and they're taking chances that these AAA developers aren't taking. They're, you know, 
they're doing special things. Meanwhile, we're getting this from Naughty Dog. So, we, we, we've got to, moving forward, we, we, we can't let this happen next generation. We can't. We can't continue to have these disappointments going into the next generation. Um, we just can't. But, yeah. Those are my thoughts on The Last of Us Part 2. Just add that to the pile of, of people who have an opinion. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you guys listening. And I hope that everybody who, who has been affected by this game in a negative way, I hope that you can come out of it on the other side and then still love and enjoy video games because this is one of those stinkers, man. It's just really... Makes you be like, man, maybe I'm just not a gamer anymore. But anyway, uh, thanks again. And you guys have a great day.